Welcome to the One Solution Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to explore if there really is one solution to all the world's problems. And perhaps that solution lies in the mind. The mind is both the source of those problems, but also the solution to those problems. Well, cool that we have so many different people from um, all over the world. Uh, this is the last webinar in this series. Um, so some of you have been on the previous two, and some of you might be um, joining us just for this last one. So we wanted to start with doing a little uh, uh, quick uh, recap, and then uh, start with the theme of this webinar that we have <clears throat> Uh, so, the reason why we started this webinar series was we wanted to see if the three organizations that we have, which is One Solution, an Inside Alliance, and um, the Spark Initiative, working in seemingly different fields, um, but, oh, there's a little bit of echo here. Oh, there we go. That's perfect. Um, Working in seemingly different fields, but having the same things happen and working from the same uh, foundation. So we wanted to create this series to show that it's all the same and to help people see that uh, humans are humans, life is life, uh, change is change. And if we look at the fundamentals, you get a better foundation for yourself to see that you could basically move around the world in any situation or with any person feeling like you know something, feeling like you can contribute something, you can help in whatever shape that might be. For some of you, that might be just your own life. For other, it might be your family. It might be that you have a practice. It might be that you actually want to work in the criminal justice system or you want to work with kids or you want to try to create community change. Which, whichever level it is, we feel like it's the same. It's the exact same process happening for humans. It's the exact same foundation that you come with. So when we say how to create change any, anytime, anywhere with anyone, it's coming from that truth that if you look at what's true for everyone and for everything, you can affect everyone and everything. Versus if you look at something that's very specific for a very specific part of group, if you look with those eyes, then yeah, it seems like you can only work with people in a certain way with people who are a certain way. But we're trying to look beyond that and, and beyond the man-made um, limitations that we have and the sense of separation, the, the, the sense of we are different, the sense that there's wrong with uh, something wrong with us, the sense there's something to fix. We're trying to look beyond that and feel like what is actually unifying for everyone and can things change if we do that? So that's why the three organizations went together to create this and also create um, an event on March 20th. Whereas if you haven't checked that out, we can put the link in, but it's on March 20th. It's a full day thing, it's free. Uh, with an optional donation. It doesn't matter if you put zero or a million dollars. We're not going to be mad if you put a million dollars, but we don't care. Like if you're interested, you can come for the whole day and um, with an optional donation. So 
that's on live stream or in person here in Chicago. So, so if you like these webinars, then please sign up for the whole day thing because we're going to be talking. Everyone's going to come to Chicago. We're going to be doing an in-person event here and you're going to see a whole day kind of really going deep on what we've uh, touched on on these webinars. Now that brings me to today's um, theme, which is all about you guys. It's all about how you or anyone can create change, uh, whatever change that might be. We've shared in previous webinars our own stories, how we've seen things change from uh, youth work, working with parents, curriculums in schools and criminal justice system and business. But now you might be sitting there like, okay, how, what about me? What, what change can you do? So we want this webinar in particular to be you writing in the chat box, just the way you wrote Toronto, Sacramento, Kentucky, uh, right? Um, what are you up to in the world? And is there anything that you are, do you have any questions about stuff that you want to make happen or change that seems stuck to you? Uh, in whichever field or level that might be. So um, I want to start by saying just if you have that, please start typing that right now so we can uh, start asking questions. Before we continue, is there anything else you guys want to add before we continue? Uh, Michael's trying to get on. He's, he's got the link. He's just got, um, he's got technical, diff technical difficulties. So okay. um, he's, he's, he needs to be needing a new laptop, but um, hopefully he'll get on. I'm just texting him back. Okay. Yeah, I don't see him there yet, so we'll just no. wait. Um, is there anything other than that that you guys want to uh, add, Anna or the, the Spark team? I think you said it pretty well. That's good. That's good. Oh, we got questions already. We can just jump in and then, and then free flow from there. Doesn't that sound good? Sounds good. All right. Um, James, addiction to food, creating obesity and type two diabetes. Um, James, are you up for um, coming on so we can speak to you? And if not, you can, we can just... Um, answer just based on that information it's a little bit easier to hear more from where that question is coming from if you want to jump on um, the video with us okay cool all right da, da, da. there we go hey james are you there uh yeah okay uh, for some reason, they won't let um, your video come up, um, but we can hear you. No, I don't seem to be able to do anything with the video. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think we just have to do uh, audio for this one. Okay, well, my situation is I'm 72. I'm 300 pounds. Uh, I'm a pretty pretty much an expert at um, nutrition. I've lost a lot of weight a lot of times. I've got a really good nutritional system for losing weight, but none of it touches the underlying thought or I don't know what. 
and it's an addiction that's as bad as alcoholism or drugs and I think it probably kills more people because there's an awful lot of obese people in the world uh, and I've been interested in studying five uh, three principles for five years odd and it doesn't seem to have touched my um, my food addiction and if I could only sort myself out then I'd love to offer that to other people who are in the same boat. When you say um, hasn't touched the underlying issue, because that would be my next question, and it sounds like maybe you have a sense of that. What is that in your best understanding? Um, I, I've, I've been in all sorts of therapy for years and years and years, so I can come up with all sorts of stories about what happened in childhood and stuff like that, and I've been in therapy and all sorts of different therapies. Um, but, but despite that, I still find my feet heading towards the fridge. Mm -hmm. and I'm also, uh, for, for the nutrition system that I use when I'm trying to lose weight, there's a, an online forum with 25, 30,000 people uh, and I'm honest for that. And from that, I absolutely know I'm not the only person in the world right. who kind of mystified. You know, I'm an intelligent person. I've done all this stuff over my life and still my feet head to the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can share what occurs to me. Share, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, um, I know you're definitely not alone. That's for sure. I think. All of us, whether, um, you know, actually show any outward signs of weight gain or have any diagnoses like type 2 diabetes, um, often have difficult relationships with things in the material world, like you said, whether that's alcohol or drugs or food. Um, and how a person looks has nothing to do with it because you can have all sorts of issues with things, regardless of how it necessarily looks on the outside. And um, and I think my, my sense of it is just that, um, I've found it really interesting that when I've worked with people and they've started to feel better. And if you've been on the last, I think, I think you've been on the last two webinars. I think I've seen you, right, James? Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if, as, as you listen to people like, Michael and Seven and Patrick and Dejan and all of us share our different stories. What I find, and this is what Adik was pointing to and in introducing this, is there's something universal in that when people start to feel better within themselves, it becomes easier for them to make decisions in life that are in alignment with what's healthier for them, what's going to lead to more thriving for them. So whether that's, you know, you know, choosing not to hang out with people that are going to go participate in violent actions um, and potentially get you in trouble and, you know, thrown in jail or something like that or, or, or harmed. Or whether it's, you know, waking up and realizing that, oh, the thought of choosing to eat well feels obvious and feels good and feels natural. Or, 
you know, a lot of people I've worked with will say, oh, it's the funniest thing. I just started running. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Why'd you start running? I don't know. I just had more energy at the end of the day. So I felt like running. And all of that, I think, points to the fact that there's an intelligence to life, that the system is on our side, that we want to be healthy, that we know how to be healthy, um, but that, you know, we've all learned different things over the years that have made us a bit noisy. And so we can't necessarily hear that all the time because we have too much other sort of static in the system. And interestingly, I think all things that we ingest are ways that we try to calm the static. You know, we try to get temporary reprieve. So whether that's drugs or alcohol or sex or food or watch binge watching Netflix, like it's all, um, in a way, trying to turn the volume knob down on the static with some sort of external assistance. And so, you know, I don't have um, a simple single cure for you in this moment, but what I know is true of every human I've ever sat with is that when their static gets calmed down from the inside, they don't need as much help from the outside, from things, from substances, from foods. Um, and so what I think we're trying to point to in all of these conversations and these webinars and certainly in the, in the event on the 20th, and, and we, can, we can share a little bit about it today, but is that when people find, and this is just my words, I'm going to let these guys say it differently, but find um, a connection beyond the form that's been created in their personal life to that sort of deeper what they came in with, which was just the life force. That just that there's a, there's a resilience to life, there's a knowing to life, there's an intelligence to life. And that was there, that's like, I call it the factory settings. You came in with that. <laughs> and if you can, I don't know what the right word is, but look to listen more for that and less to the static and the noise and the thought systems and the ideas about life and yourself and whatever else it might be, because you can know that that's more in the illusion and more in the form and more in the made upness part of life, then people get more deeply connected to that intelligence that helps them make choices that are healthy more automatically i'm fumbling a little bit but maybe you can say it better no i i i i just want to speak to the to the part that you said that you've been exploring it for five years and for me whenever i've tried for a long time to get over something um i know that it takes up uh quite a lot of space in my mind. I know that I uh, have a sense of um, identification with it, that um, no matter what the um, thing I'm, I'm trying to solve it through, whether that be like in your case, three principles or somebody else, could be completely other things that I know, and I'm I'm totally guessing because I would need to have a you know a lot of back and forth to know more. So, take into account that we're just trying to like based on what you're saying, share something. But I know I'm just gonna speak for me that like I know that what I usually need to see is that what I'm doing is okay, in a way, 
um, and that in the, and I'm not saying like, stop thinking about it or like, just accept. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, I don't know if there's a sense of tension in trying to change it and having a lens for a long time to look through, um, you know, if it's this understanding or something else that where you're like, you're looking at it, but it's from the perspective of a person, something's wrong or a person that has these habits that are doing certain things. So when you look through that at a thing, it's hard to get the thing. So I don't know other than to like, I don't know. I, I don't know why I want to say it, but like do some, <laughs> maybe do something different or like change it up or like just try to try to challenge the, 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 the lens itself that's trying to look at this webinar. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes we don't realize that we're seeing through a certain identification or a certain story, even though we can intellectually say we have a story, we're using a story to say that we have a story in a way. So it's like a story upon a story. The, helping, the, the, the trying to get help becomes more the static I was talking about. Right. Yeah. So I know for me that, that version of static takes is often like, self-judgment or oh it's been five years i should have gotten over this by now or why isn't this why is this stuck and it's like all this layers of like self-judgment and self like i just don't i end up not liking myself and that seems to like cloud because i'm looking through the filter of something wrong i'm not liking myself i should have been longer blah 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 blah, blah. that's whole, whole story and then trying to see like how do i fix it but the fixing is coming from this, the wrong assumption in a way, or the, the wrong identification with what's going on. So again, I'm like Mara, I don't know if that's helpful. I'm just sharing what, um, what comes to mind when you said that and like how I could relate to it. Anna, do you want to say something? It was actually Michael that he's, I don't know, for some reason he's on my thingy, but it was Michael who sent that email okay. or that, that message. I have, so he's got to unmute himself. Michael, you want to unmute yourself? Yeah, I do. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Hi, James. My name is Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi. Um, that was a great question, man. And you know what? My personal experience, um, I've dealt with uh, thinking behind, you know, using different substances, you know, to, uh, to calm myself. And, you know, the one thing that I want to say, I think trust is the word that I'm looking for here. Okay. <clears throat> my, in my experience, I've found that I don't trust a lot of people, including myself. And, I think the hardest thing for me with this understanding has been learning how to trust the fact that there is a universal intelligence at work in my life. And by not trusting that that universal intelligence is there, that it exists, that it is constantly. And when I say constantly, I mean like 110% of the time it is working in my favor. And I get in the way of that because I feel like I need to, I feel like I need to do something. I feel like I need to act or speak or do something in a certain way. 
And um, that gets in the way of me just trusting the intelligence that's working in my life. And so I guess I would just encourage you to, um, to step back and, and, and be bold. You know, this understanding is something that is different from anything and everything that I've ever heard of in my life. And so um, it, it's hard to trust something new, just like it's hard to trust a new person. You know, if you meet somebody and they come in, they're like, oh, I'm going to be your best friend. You're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And it's the same thing to me. It, it's, you know, learning to, um, learning to have faith, you know, learning to believe that there's something beyond myself or that I'm a part of something bigger. Does that make sense to you, James? Yeah, absolutely, it does. Good. Yeah, I've seen you uh, on a number of things and um, thought to myself, I want to be like Michael. Let <laughs> <laughs> me like Mike. <laughs> right. Hello, James. Hi. Um, I just wanted to speak on a comment that you said about um, you constantly going to the refrigerator. There's nothing wrong with that. We all go to the refrigerator. <laughs> like, don't beat yourself up about that. Because, like, I know everybody has something that they beat themselves up about, but maybe just try to find, like, different outlets or different things to do when you find yourself wanting to, you know, go. Or when you're going, just try different things. Like, you know more healthier things when you are going to the refrigerator because there's nothing wrong with that. I just really want to speak on that because, yeah, like, you know, there's nothing to beat yourself up about. Everybody eats and everybody, you know, has some type of problem or some type of something that they feel is a problem. So just, you know, love yourself at the end of the day. And yeah. Thank you. I I could add to that, but I don't know if like we're bombarding James with um, <laughs> stuff that may not be helpful. So I've got a part of me that could help because having had bulimia for 20 years and had a lot of eating disorders, I, I feel totally, I can, I can appreciate, um, you know, where you come from, where it looks like, no, I've got this, like everything's good and my life is good and I'm actually feeling at peace and I can still... I can still walk towards the fridge or I can still feel that something isn't right when I'm, you know, I'm, it's like, why is it still here? Or why, what, you know, I should be better. Or I should know more because I'm, I've, I've been doing this for a long time or I've worked on this for 25 years and, you know, and, um, and so I just want to say initially, you know, like I, I totally can see that you can feel like everything's going well and you know how to eat well. I mean, you know, I did food energetics and Chinese medicine and then macrobiotics and, and I had this whole life that was kind of like totally knew everything about nutrition and knew everything about. And then on the other hand, I was throwing up, you know, three times a day and, and it, I could live both. I could live parallel lives. Um, and the same with, you know, got all sorts of times where I could live and literally feel like I'm living in two places at once where the, the, the part of me that's healthy can look at the part of me that's, well, I don't want to say the part of me, but the behavior or the thinking that I have that's unhealthy and not understand like, how, how does this work? Like I should see something, I should see something, I should see something new. And I, I, I think, um, you know, not beating a dead horse, 
um, around something, um, there's several things that, that, that started to look different for me. Um, but I think one of, one of them was just taking my eye off it. And I think that's something that, and that um, Eric spoke to, you know, just about if I, when I, when I'm focusing on it, like I always found actually, you know, when I go back and stay with my mum and I wasn't really making the food because she'd cook for me and she'd make meals and I didn't have my eye on it. I didn't have my eye on what am I eating? What should, I should be eating better. I, I just kind of like, oh, well, whenever I go to someone else's house or wherever I'm sort of away for the weekend, it's like my eating was fine. There's nothing wrong. There was nothing wrong, you know? And, uh, but then when I'd come home and I'd be like, right, great. I'm back to my food. I can like cook what I want and I can figure it out and I can have all this like, system together around my own kind of way of liking to eat. It, it wouldn't, it, it, I'd be eating, the, you know, the food that I wanted, but then it would be on my mind. And so I had a lot of me on my mind when I was at home. And then when I went out, when I was, you know, staying at my mum's, or I went back to England, I'd have, you know, two weeks of staying at different people's houses and eating shit that I literally couldn't think that I could eat because I've got all these, you know, I think that I had all these intolerances, you know, I'm like, oh, I can't eat gluten. I definitely can't eat dairy, you know, and all the rest of it. And then someone would put something in front of me, which had both. And I was like, oh, I can't be rude. I'll eat it. And I was fine. You know, and realizing there was so much noise around what food I was eating and that, but actually, I, I started to see, well, when I'm not on my mind around what I should be eating and what I shouldn't be eating, it just started, it started, I started just to like look in different, just not think about it, you know, and go, look, I'm fine. Like if I throw up, I throw up. If I don't, I don't. Like either way, I'm good. And, you know, and the more I, I saw both sides of that as being totally okay, um, then then, then something, something started to shift because I wasn't looking at it all the time. I was actually literally looking in a different direction and just getting on with my life and that just being something that I'm still dealing with. Like everything else, you know, was sorting itself out. Like I wasn't making messes in my relationship. I wasn't drinking so much anymore. I wasn't using drugs. But this thing that kept going felt like, well, it's a nut that I have to crack. And when I realized the idea of it being a nut that I had to crack was just an illusion and it was, that was thought too that there's actually nothing wrong with me, but occasionally I engage in, engage in behavior that, that, that is just learned behavior. My, my mind is taking a shortcut to give me some relief in a moment that I don't even know I need because it's so unconscious that, you know, one, there's a really short story and then I'm going to shut up. Um, but I was over on the East coast and I, um, this was actually quite recently, um, last year and I did something really stupid. I let some um, idiot scammer scam me out of $500 and I felt like a complete tool and I haven't never done it before and I'll never do it again. Um, but literally, and I was, I was kind of really beating myself up like proper, like I never, like I hadn't done in a long time and I used to beat the shit out of myself for all sorts of different things. And then I was, I was just sitting there really feeling like such an idiot and really being hard on myself. And then, then, I, then a thought was like, you know, you could throw up now. And I was like, oh, there's that thought. Wow. That's just trying to help me out right now. It's trying to distract me from, from something, from beating myself up. That actually it wants to give me a channel. And here I was and I was like, oh, I could throw up. And all of a sudden... I followed that thought for a minute and I was like, yeah, I could actually, there's no one in the house. It's an Airbnb. I could go and get some food. I could do this. Totally forgot about what I was beating myself up about. And I was like, oh, bless you. 
that thought was there and it was trying to help me out. Like it was trying to change directions. Now, of course I could see that in that moment as a thought and I could go, Oh, what, that's a, that's that thought. Like that's that thought that would pop in all the time when I was growing up to, to, to give me, give me something to like, give me some relief from something that I didn't even know I needed relief from. Um, but this was kind of blatant, you know, because I was so being so hard on myself. Um, and I just saw, it was like, that's, that's the thought that I didn't, was invisible to me. It was so fleeting and it was so invisible that I didn't realize it as thought, but it was just trying to help me out. And I could kind of give it that, you know, I could just see it in a different way and then be able to kind of go, okay, I can, you know, and that was just an insight in that moment. Like that was the thought. And so it's like, we're just doing the best we can trying to help ourselves out. Even if that thought like seems like, oh, that's a bad thought I could throw up now. But it's like, oh, I could have a drink now, or I could do anything now. But I just, it, it's like, you know, we want to feel better. And, and, our, and our intelligence is giving us something, um, um, you know, that's, uh, sorry, someone just, I said that was a name, um, is giving us something that we need in the moment, whether it's, it feels to us like a healthy or unhealthy thing. It's just, you know, and so I, I, from that, when I really saw that, it was like, oh God, that's, I'm just trying to like help myself out. It may look, look like it's in the right direction. Um, but again, that points to the fact that when I take my mind off it and I just actually just being gentle with myself, I don't need to help myself out and I don't need to kind of give myself something to relieve me of me, you know? And, and that's generally when I'm kind of being hard on myself around what I should be eating and what I shouldn't be eating. And if I got my nutrition right, and it's kind of this, you know, it, it's sort of, catch 22 but um the less i thought about it and the less i kind of be myself then um it kind of yeah started to help out help me out i'm gonna shut up now i realize i'm going on oh, that was that, that's um oh am i still on yeah that's really helpful one of the most helpful things there is when you said that the thought was so fleeting you hardly noticed it yeah um and i was from a three principles point of view, I was looking for this really solid thought that was saying you should get up and go to the fridge, but actually it's, it's invisible. Just, it's, on, it's an invisible thought. Yeah. 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 I, I, I appreciate that. And, and I'm, I'm with you. Thank you. Pleasure. I can say something a little bit. I, it's hard to follow what you said, Anna. You pretty much covered everything that I was thinking in my head. Um, the only thing that I might add to that is that um, I come from a background of always feeling like I was doing something wrong, like I wasn't living my life right, and I always felt like I had to do something different. And, you know, in spite of everything that I am and have been going through in my life, um, again, the word trust, I've learned to trust that I'm exactly where I need to be in life. And, you know, we hear people say that to us all the time, but it really is true. You know, your, your life experience, James, is you're right where you need to be and you're going through and you're having the experience in your life that you need to go through. And if you can just trust that you're okay and that everything's going to work out and just put one foot in front of the other one, I've found that that is extremely comforting because I, it takes a lot of the workload off of me. 
I don't feel like I need to do everything. I've learned that it's okay to just sit back and go through and experience what I'm feeling. It's okay to feel the thoughts that I'm, that I'm feeling or that I'm thinking. Um, it's okay to feel the feelings that I'm feeling. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, there was a really great there was a really great comment from somebody that I just saw a minute ago. Danielle Backers. She just got off the call. She had to oh, go somewhere else. That's true. Looks like Joanna has her hand up. Hi. Uh, can you uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I actually have a comment. Um, I guess a to say about what the gentleman was just talking about, and also a question about what was asked to be typed into the chat box earlier. So I'll take care of both at the same time. Um, I've been in the health and fitness industry for 25 years. And I am going to offer um, my, um, I guess, uh, another, what I feel clarify a lot of the confusion. Well, right now, what I've, what I've found is that what's happening in the health and fitness industry is just a misunderstanding. So the same way that we see a misunderstanding with with the mind that a lot of people just are just don't know how to use it same thing is happening with us in the uh, when it comes to weight loss and fitness well we don't understand that what we're seeing is just contamination just a lot of people's thoughts and perceptions and what they believe done based on their um state of mind and i know it's a lot about this uh, but if what I am thinking at this particular moment is the solution that I feel is right for me, I'm based on what my goal whether it's business whether it's something that I want to share all comes from my own personal experience and the problem with what's going on it all started you want to trace it back to the 60s with, with this gentleman um, Ansel Keys which he had his own opinion based on what he thought was causing these health, uh, health issues that people were having. And because he gave this advice and he went on to prove his point, we had the, um, the pyramid, the health pyramid. So everything that the government later told us that we should and should not be eating was based on one person's opinion, which all came from, from thought which at the end of the day was his own personal opinion that was superimposed onto the rest of us. After that, 
there was obviously a need and then came all this consideration of people creating certifications. Now I'm a certified health coach and I'm a personal trainer, but for me, um, and the reason why I came into, I guess, this whole amazing uh, world of three Ps and finding all of you amazing people that teach this is because I was looking for um, a missing it was, it was a missing piece to a puzzle that I had because my entire life I've been able to silence everything that came my way. And I've been able to um, not only maintain my health, but I encountered several health challenges. I was disabled. I was blind. I had to heal myself from three different types of surgeries. I was a, I'm also a domestic violence survivor. So I also had post-traumatic stress. I had uh, trauma. I had, I mean, you name it, I probably had it. And I used what I assumed was just me um, being silent. But what I realized that also applied to health and fitness. So what we again what we are lacking is the this misunderstanding that it is because of all the information that we have based on other people's opinions and what i've been trying to do and this is answering the question of what it is that we're trying to do and need help with i've been trying to basically create a way that i can explain uh, how people can take back their health by doing by following their own wisdom because we all have it what I've been able to do was I was able to, um, I was able to, I think I, one of you mentioned it, I don't remember exactly where I heard it, but the BS and everything, and it's out there. You just have to know, you just, just like we, we learned about thought and where it comes from, whenever we see somebody being lost, in, whether they're talking about, um, anything that they're being affected by the, the world out there, we already know Well, it can be the world. We know it's your thoughts and we know it's your state of mind at the moment. It's the same thing with health. When you understand how it works, then you will know, you will be able to spot the BS and any uh, quote unquote expert in nutrition or exercise or guru or internet guru. So it's really understanding that there is a misunderstanding of how weight loss and, and fitness works. So what I want to do is create a simpler way for people to get, pull themselves out and realize that they already have, they already have this, this wisdom inside of them that if they just listen to their bodies, Yes, of course, there are certain nutrients that we sort of need to understand and our body needs, but that comes after. Right now, what's happening, people are paralyzed by the great amount of information. But once they pull back and just take one tiny little step, that tiny little step is what's going to lead to creating that, that self-assurance that they can actually do it. Because right now, it's, of course, it's it's all created by thought. Like if you believe you cannot get this and you cannot do what whoever it is that you're following is doing, you are going to feel. And of course, those of us who know what thought comes from, we know that it's just your state of mind at that moment telling you that you are a failure. But if you're constantly being reminded of that, then that, that it creates like a, a snowball effect with one thing, negative thing affects the other. But if you don't understand 
why it isn't working. You're just stuck in it and you, you will not be able to find a way out. I hope I didn't ramble too much and I hope that offered a little bit of, um, uh, I don't know. Can you hear us? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that makes total sense. And is um, what's so cool about the 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 overall theme of these is whether we're talking about this issue or anything else. Um, you people realizing that they have an innate intelligence that they can follow, if they can listen for it, know that it's there. As Michael said, trust it. This is what we're suggesting is kind of what solves everything for people, whether it's, you know, relationship issues or drug issues or food issues or violence or, and on an individual level and a systemic level. So what you're pointing to, Joanna, is, is really powerful. And it does, that's why we talk about this as a solution to systemic change. I mean, you're pointing to a whole system that's been built up around nutrition and diet and fitness and and as you as you can see it's not uh it's very noisy right now and if people get caught up in the noise it just perpetuates the problem and i love that there's a there's such a simplicity and a hope in helping people you know do what you're talking about and what we're all talking about here which is coming back to something more fundamentally true and innate to all of us and i love how michael talked about it you know so kind of unselfconsciously is I think there's a way in which people feel, well, I'll just speak for myself. Before I got comfortable with it, there was a way in which I felt, you know, trusting that there was um, a universal intelligence behind life that had my back just sounded weird. <laughs> it sounded, you know, kind of like woo-woo or, um, you know, too good to be true or new age or religious or whatever. But then I think when you, when you actually get past all of this stigma that is also just invented, also just opinion that you've picked up in thought system in life. And you actually find the truth of that in your own personal experience. You realize, oh shit, that's true. That's true. I am, as Michael said, always doing the best I can and exactly where I need to be. And life continues to show me what I need to see in order to go where I need to go next. That's true. And it's easy to forget that when we get really noisy. But it is, it's, it's, a, it's an individual realization, but it has these systemic implications that are huge, which is exactly why we wanted to, to bring these different organizations to kind of show that. There was, um... Should we do Sal? Yeah, sure. All right. Thank you so much, Joanna. Thank you. What I love about what everyone's sharing is that it is, it sounds like it's about food, but it is literally about everything else we've been talking about too. So people can see beyond the, the food metaphors, it, it is speaking to everything. Um, so I can just comment real quick on Sally's comment. I, I think that's the first thing that um, I kind of, when James brought it up, that's what I saw was, oh, I remember that. 
it, when I first started kind of learning about how the mind works, not the same issue as his, but I remember like waiting for the insight for the thing that I was dealing with. Right. Mm -hmm. And then at some point I saw, Oh, it's not the, it's not the thing. The thing is never the problem. It's just, I go there when I'm off. And so actually the thing is, you know, when that comes up for me still, <laughs> when it comes up, it, it just, it's just kind of like a, an alarm system goes off. It's like, oh shit, you must have so much going on in your head right now that you're not even aware of. And that in itself is helpful. And sometimes I'm unaware of it and I do the thing. <laughs> and other times it is a helpful just reminder of how your mind works. And it's just that, that kind of alarm bell is, is also proof that you're, your your system's working for you not against you it's like the times you can see it you know so it's not a blind faith it's a oh it's working for me again it's trying to help me out again that's how beautiful a system is it's funny listening to you brooke uh, i was thinking that's exactly how I feel like my relationship to alcohol has changed because I definitely, uh, you know, like Michael said, I come from a background where I felt like I was doing, always doing something wrong. Like I come from a background where alcohol is used for most things in life. It's used to have fun. It's used to socialize. It's used to celebrate. It's used to deal with sadness. It's used to relax at the end of a day. Like <laughs> From a very early age and i love linda pransky used to tell me oh you know you come by it honestly like things that you just grow up that are so ingrained and i don't blame anyone for that and I, i've actually really enjoyed a lot of it there's been parts of my life where i've been really appreciative for the relationship that my family has with alcohol and then there's been times where i've been really horrified by it or felt really um trapped by it and i know i've i've been through periods where I've tried to control it or manage it or get my arms around it or fix it or do it better or be better about it. Never works. Never. Always just becomes like me wrestling myself in a boxing match. Like it's not fun. I don't feel good about it. And it's basically, a, um, you know, like a, how long can my willpower do this thing? But what I've noticed instead is that when I basically went, oh, who gives a shit? Like, use alcohol when you, when you want to and don't when you don't. I can feel like it's exactly what you described. It's like, I'll go through a period where I'll notice, like it's been sneaky, but I've started like having wine at the end of the day more or something. And I'll realize after however much time has gone by, like, oh, you're struggling. Like, oh, you've got a lot going on in your head lately. And I don't necessarily notice that, but I notice that I'm drinking a lot more lately. Like I could go for a long time having no wine at the end of the day. And then all of a sudden I'll have wine four days in a row and think, huh, what's going on here? And it's funny because what I've noticed is that when I notice that, not the drinking, not, well, you should stop drinking. Just like, oh, I must have a lot going on. Then automatically within a day or two or three, I don't want wine anymore. Not because I told myself I shouldn't, but because I literally, it's like you get sick of something. Like if you eat too many French fries, you don't want to pick up another French fry kind of thing. Like, 
and I'll notice like, Oh, I don't, I don't want it. I don't want wine this week. And so like that, that happened to me this week with, you know, we have a baby and we've been sleep training and I've been getting really stressed out. And like last week I noticed I was starting to drink wine every night. And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I'm getting really noisy about this. And then I just didn't want it this week. I'm not strong arming myself. I'm not going, don't have that wine, Mara. It's just like, Oh, I don't want it. But it was a shift from looking at the wine itself and trying not to drink to just noticing what it's telling me about my state of mind. And that's that what I think is so cool about when you start to get interested in um, that there's kind of a kindness to the design that if you can kind of get hip to it, you can go with the flow of it instead of trying to manage against it with willpower, which sucks. Nobody likes that and everybody loses that battle. That was well said, thank you. Yeah. All right. Should we speak to Sally's? Is there assistance? That's what we were all just speaking to. Okay. That's a, it was a, it's kind of in the same vein, but yeah. Okay. Does anybody else have any questions? Because we could speak to um when you, when you mess oh yeah, Danielle had something. And she looks like she's back now. She has her hand raised. What qualification or certification does one need to start? Blah blah blah. I want to reach and make my services available to women who can't afford coaching to reclaim their health. Okay. So this is kind of similar to the other, not so much question but comment that Danielle wants to start made. something. Yeah, as a lot of people ask questions about wanting to start something. Like Danielle said, of course, I want to share what I'm seeing. Um, but have and do mostly to timing, readiness, or opportunity. Uh, which I would say timing, readiness, and opportunity are all thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and same thing to you, Joanna, like, one of the best things that I heard um, Adik say in a, a podcast interview he was doing, this is before we were even dating. And I remember how I like, hooked her in. I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> but he said, uh, um, the world is full of so many good ideas that people never put into action. And it's perhaps the greatest missed opportunity that humanity suffers from, something like that. And I remember when he said it, it just hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. So many people have brilliant ideas and then they just let them stay there and eventually become part of static. They go from being, you know, insight or creativity or excitement or motivation, like, oh, I should do this, that would be cool. And then they either talk themselves out of it because they let a whole bunch of insecure thinking jump on top of it, like, well, no, you don't have enough qualifications for that yet, or you haven't lost enough weight yet to do that, or um, you don't know where to start, or you don't know who to talk to, or, you know, blah, blah. I could go on for eons in terms of the insecure thoughts that will jump on top of people's good ideas and squash them. Or sometimes it's not even insecurity. They just don't, they just don't take action and it just kind of circles the toilet and then eventually flushes and is gone, you know? So what I found is interesting is it is, when you understand the mind, you're suddenly kind of always at the 
at a fork in the road with good ideas. You can either do something with it or not. And it's really that simple. And the second you start thinking it's more complicated than that, like, well, but do I need a certification or do I, because the truth is if I've had a brilliant idea, but I know I need some kind of training or something to make that idea come to life. I'm like, great. I'm on the internet. I'm figuring out how to get that training. Like, where can I take classes on that? Like you just move with an idea when you let an idea move, when you let it have energy, when you don't squelch the energy. So there's a thousand and one questions that people often ask us like, well, how do you start doing community grassroots work? Or how do you set up a nonprofit? Or how do you, um, get into schools or how do you get into prisons? And if you've been on any of these webinars and you've heard, you know, Brooke and Ashley speak about working with youth or us talk about our work in Chicago or Anna talk about our work in prisons, none of us did anything special. It was like super, huh, maybe I'll try this. And then, <laughs> and then that was, you know, like Michael said earlier, just putting one foot in front of the other. And, um, none of us had anything special or specific other than we didn't kill the thought. We didn't jump on top of it and drown it. We let it, we let the energy of it run and, and, and run into the world and become a part of reality. But as Adik said in that webinar eight years ago that piqued my interest, I was like, there are so many thoughts that just never get out of people's heads and into the world. And that would be all I would say to anyone is just let your mind have the freedom to go out of your head and into the world. And the rest is, yeah, there are logistical things, but I don't know the answers to those. And, and I, I'm, I'm as sort of sloppy as anyone else in terms of like feeling around in the dark until I can figure those out. Like, I mean, thank God for the internet because you can mostly Google all this stuff these days, like how to set up a nonprofit. There are so many websites that will tell you how to do that in so many different states. Or like the other day, we had a school in New York that wanted to work with us, but it turned out we didn't have um, vendor approval or whatever it was. And I just thought, oh no. And I felt like we were stuck because the, the principal of the school is like, oh, if you don't have that, I don't know if we can bring you in. And suddenly it occurred to me, like, Brooke, Brooke works in schools. I'm just going to call Brooke and ask her, like, how do I get this vendor thing? And she's like, oh, there's a website for that. <laughs> like, oh, of course there is. <laughs> and it takes two seconds. I had to put in, like, three bits of information. That was it. And here I was thinking, like, oh, I probably have to fly to New York and get fingerprinted. And they background check me, like, in a police station or something. Like, I made it so much more complicated in my head. But it struck me like, oh, maybe I should call Brooke as someone who's worked in schools. And it turned out it was way easier. But I can think of five trillion examples like that where I thought something was going to be hard in my head. And then it turned out, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, I, I want to talk to Danielle's point. And I love what you said, Mara, because we work with um, sex traffic survivors at a safe house. And we've been doing it probably for three years now. We donate the program, but this whole program came out of, we had one student in an area who was um, being trafficked through their family. And so we said, oh, well, we, we see the problem here. Like we see that there is a, a, a state of mind problem. A, there's a systematic problem with migrant workers where we are, and we could see that really clearly. 
And the only thing we did was found the safe house and went and talked to them. We had no quali no qualifications. We've never gone through any kind of, I think we went through one like sex trafficking, like signs of sex trafficking. That's, you know, one training. But to Mara's point, it was just an idea. And it's been going on for three years, you know, and, and it's incredible. And they welcomed us with open arms and they still do. Um, they've never once said, you know, where are your qualifications to work with these women? Because when you start, like the work does the work, right? You, you just kind of have to get in and, and, and if you can share a little bit about what we're talking about and you're going to be in front of a human, hopefully. And if you are, it's going to make sense. And the work does the work for you. So I used to think that too, like, well, I'm not a doctor. So what, you know, what, I don't have any certifications. So what qualifications do I have to be working with this certain population? And it just, you're working with humans and you're speaking about something that is true for everybody. So I would just want to also say that going with really trusting and just taking the next step, if an idea comes to you and you just take the next step, you don't have to have the next 20 steps figured out before you take that next step. And I think that's what we really saw, even with, with what we do working at Spark and, and the curriculum. Like if we would have sat there and really mapped out every next step, like we would still be doing it right now and we wouldn't have done anything. We just kind of were like, Oh, let's write it down. And then the next step occurred, like, oh, maybe we should put it on a website. And then the next step occurred. And, and we could not have predicted anything that was going to happen or even knew. There's so much that we've learned along the way that we had no idea. Like, if you would have told me I would be writing curriculum, I have no qualifications for this at all. But it works because we just kept taking the next step and, and not trying to go too far ahead, just really trusting in that next step. Yeah. You want to read to you want to read Susan's? Well, I just wanted because Joanna Joanna had to follow her um, about like a website where she needs certain things to do something. I would just say, yeah, either you need to do the thing if you want to call yourself that, or just do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it depends on what what's important to you. If you want to help people, you could you can call yourself uh, whatever you want and do it. But if you want to call yourself a specific thing that requires something, then yeah, you got you got it. Do that in a way. Right, like it, as with anything, like if you like want to be a registered dietitian right. that has a certain amount of trainings, then then you would go and get that certification. Um, there's definitely things sometimes that you need in this world of form right. in order to gain entry. But what I found mm -hmm. is. 99.9% of the time you don't, you think you do. Right. And that's what's interesting because you can spend your whole life getting certifications for different things, thinking that's going to get you somewhere. And you can just be a person in your room with a whole bunch of pieces of paper in front of you. <laughs> like, so my favorite pet peeve is decks for presentations. Is there so many times when we were like, Oh, we should reach out to this. Okay. We can't just call them. We got to make a deck. And we need the right graphics. And suddenly, like, seriously, like two months later, we haven't called the person because we think we need this thing in order for them to, whatever it is. And sometimes, yeah, they will ask for a deck. But I'm just saying, 
just be aware of all the things you put in front of what is like right here <laughs> and see that that is mo most likely made up stuff and you can reach it like it's so close it's right in front of us all right did you want to do that one well i think we should read hers it's really interesting okay um because other people can't see it right no they can um, it's for everyone yeah. well, we can read it um this is susan not james Last time the webinar closed with Michael saying something about our enthusiasm to help people and the need for us to hold the place that there's nothing wrong with anyone. Otherwise, we can come across as seeming superior. Yes. I'd like to hear about finding my way to that space of mutual okayness while still feeling moved to help other others and myself suffer less. Yes, I love that question. That's the balance, right? I think you answered it yourself. <laughs> But I think it's just a feeling inside yourself. Like you, you, you know, you do have to find your own way to it and you can feel when you're not there or people will let you know, you'll see their reaction. Like I remember a client that I've been working with for years um, who had a great relationship with, had been helping his organization and, um, we had a, like a check-in call once and he told me that he was, um, had been struggling with anxiety. So he was taking some pills for it, some medicine and, um, had seen a therapist for it. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but I obviously said questioned it in a way. And he told me later the next time we talked kind of like nonchalantly, but really directly, he's like, Hey, yeah, I thought it was a little weird last time we talked. You were sort of dismissive of my anxiety. But anyway, I just wanted to let you know it's getting better. What I'm doing seems to be working. And I was like, oh, whoa. Um, first of all, that's awesome that what you're doing is working. I'm so glad to hear you're doing better because ultimately that's all I ever want for anyone is that they're feeling good in life, right? But it was really, really good for me that he called me on that because I hadn't seen it in the moment, but when he said that and I looked back at the call, I was like, oh yeah, I can totally see that. I was sort of like, well, why didn't you call me? I could have helped you with that and I could have helped you with it better. You know, <laughs> I didn't say those words, but obviously that was in my feeling and my come from as we call it. And he picked up on it and I really appreciate him. And I told him that I was like, wow, I really appreciate you telling me that because I didn't Notice I had done that, but I can totally see it now and I'm really sorry. So it was really, and this was just, I don't know, I think a year or two ago, and it was really a, a helpful reminder that I'm always doing that dance. Like I want to help people, but ultimately I don't fucking know what's, excuse me. <laughs> okay. I don't know what's gonna help people most in the moment. And it's not always gonna be what I see it's helped me. People have their own instincts. Like Michael talked about, we all have our own innate intelligence and that's going to look a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. And even in myself, sometimes what I thought helped me at one stage of my life doesn't help me another stage of my life. So I got to get humble inside myself too, that sometimes I'm going to need to try everything. And I don't want to have hard, fast rules about that, that limit me from being able to be responsive to myself and responsive to other people from a really neutral place. But I think your question, Susan, is just 
it's perfect in that it lets you know you 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 have an awareness of it so you're looking out for it and at the end of the day it's just a human dance you're just going to mm -hmm. do the best you can with it and you're going to slip at times like all of us do absolutely but I, I love that you're asking it because it means you have some consciousness around it I can add to that too. Um, I'm a convicted felon and I have 20 years that I've spent inside of correctional facilities. And last week I went and I sat down and I had a meeting with community corrections officials. This was the law enforcement and they were there for me. They were, they were there to listen to what I had to say. And let me tell you, that was the most profound and uncomfortable experience that I have ever had in my life. Like I voluntarily went in and sat and talked to a bunch of law enforcement people. And, um, you know, in spite of my history, you know, um, I felt something inside of myself. Like I've always had a desire and, a, I, I've been drawn to being of service to people. And, um, I ran into a lot of fear behind that. And so um, I kept myself from living up to my fullest potential because I allowed that fear to become a hindrance. I allowed that thinking to become a hindrance. And like, you know, every time I think, okay, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, right? But then I'd get scared. I'd be like, oh my God, I'm not going to do that. And I never did. And like years, years slipped by without me doing anything. And so when I was able to understand, when I came into this understanding and I was able to understand that what I was going through in my head was really just thinking and that it didn't mean anything, that made it a lot easier for me to go in and sit down and have this meeting that I had last week. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it was profound. It really was. And um, one more thing thing I want to add to that is that and, and this is my opinion and if it fits for you that's cool but I believe that every single person on this planet is here for a reason and every single one of us has something to offer and if you're being drawn towards something if you're having thoughts like god you know I'd really like to do this and I'd like to offer uh, I'd like to help people in in, in in this certain way like that right there is that universal intelligence that's speaking to you, that you're being drawn towards your life mission, I guess, for lack of a better term. But um, that's what I believe. I, I believe that everybody has a gift. And if you're being drawn towards something, I believe that, you know, that that intelligence is speaking with you and that, you know, that's your intuition leading you. And, um, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to step on that too much, but <laughs> yeah. does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Bro. Yeah. Beautiful. I, I think one thing I remember, I think it was, a, I can't remember where it was actually, maybe at Salt Spring, Eric, where you had, you were actually talking about an insight that you had. And, and I, I referenced this before because it felt like the insight that kept on giving because like off the back of it, I had a really like profound insight too. And, it was when you were talking about um, having nothing left to lose, but the possibility of having an uncomfortable feeling. It was around that movie that you'd watched 
um, where that guy from Lebanon who was wanting to support um, gay community outside of Lebanon because it was no longer a crime, right? So he could do it and he had nothing left to lose. And then if I get it right, I probably, this isn't, I probably, I've now created this in my head what actually happened. But um, I remember you saying, you know, how many things have I not done in life for the possibility of having a feeling? And, and I was just, I suddenly kind of thought to myself, God, how many things have I not done or ideas that I've had that I've thought, I'm going to feel uncomfortable or I'm going to feel stupid. It may be a completely unconscious thought, but it, I realized that I, I've stopped, I've, I've stopped myself short of doing so many different things. Cause it's like, Oh, I don't want to feel stupid or uncomfortable or judged or like, you know, like an idiot. And then, so that thought will pop in after I've had a good idea that stopped me in, in and when I, when I really started to see that I've got nothing to lose, but the possibility of having an uncomfortable feeling. Mm. And it was like, oh, that's it. Like, I don't give a shit if I feel uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> literally, I'm good at that now. Like, I can feel, I can sit in discomfort and I don't care. I can do anything. I can go and talk to anybody because what have I got to lose? I may feel uncomfortable for however much time and I may, they may say no to me and they may say, no, we don't want that. So what? It's just a feeling. You know what I mean? Like there's literally, of course people are going to I mean, have off days or this thing's going to go on and people aren't ready for what we've got or they may say no and they may, but you know, you keep you, you, seeing that, that there's nothing to it other than I may feel uncomfortable, but I can't do it wrong because I'm just going to show up and speak and say something that I'm passionate about. Um, then that's it. And, and it, I made it so much more complicated than that. Like I needed qualifications or I needed to say it right, or I needed a deck or I needed to have the right words and I'd try and rehearse it beforehand and all the rest of it. And it's like, I don't need any of that. You know, you just have an idea about who you can talk to. And then knowing that, you know, whatever feeling you're going to have about it, it's irrelevant to everything um, and that you can do it anyway. Um, it just kind of allowed me. And as I've been doing, you know, kind of creating this organization is really not paying attention to a feeling that, that, that may kind of, you know, make me feel uncomfortable because it really is, um, you know, has nothing to do with anything. Um, and so that insight that you had, or, you know, when you were talking to that, there was something that kind of clicked in my head around, Oh my God, how many, how, how many of us, Stop, don't do something because we're, we're, we're afraid of having an uncomfortable feeling. And you just realize, well, now I know where my feelings come from. I'm good. Has nothing to do with what someone else thinks about me. Has nothing to do with where I'm in a room full of people, you know, and I'm speaking to them about something. And, and it's like, I don't mind. It doesn't matter because they're feeling their own thinking. I'm feeling mine. That's all good. Like nothing's going to happen. Um, so it's just taken a lot of weight off the table in terms of kind of just showing up and, you know, kind of giving a fuck, really. So that's the easy way of putting it. That's cool. I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine in New York, when I was living in New York, he invited me to this um, meditation, like, evening at this home in Manhattan. And he's like, it's run by this really interesting girl. I don't know why I want to go. I just want to go. I think it's going to be really cool. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, sure. Like I'll go to an evening meditation. And honestly, I didn't, I don't think I'd ever been to a meditation thing before. So I was more kind of like going out of curiosity. It wasn't like I was, you know, used to doing that or, and we go and it's in this beautiful, huge apartment in Manhattan, which, you know, is like one of the most expensive places on earth to live. And there's this like very just kind of I don't know how to say it because she wasn't 
flighty, but she was just very like no pretense, very kind of just like whatever young woman leading this meditation thing. And so of course, I mean, I don't even know if I meditated at all the whole time I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, does she live here? Like, how is, like <laughs> I'm like, where am I? Like, how is this happening? So after my meditation, I went up and asked her, I'm like, so do you live here? Cause you know, like most people in New York are like hustling to live in the tiniest space ever. And here she's just leaving. And she's like, Oh no, these are um, people that I'm staying with. I'm kind of just like a, um, I'm sort of like a live in house guest meditation facilitator. That's just what I do. And I said, what do you mean what you do? And she's like, Oh, I just meet people. And I offer to do guided meditations with them in exchange for a place to live. And I travel around the world doing that. In my head, I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's a thing? <laughs> and I was so, so amused and judgmental and confused all at the same time. Like, so you, and she was probably, I don't know, like in her late 20s, I'm like, so you travel around the world and you just meet people, offer to meditate with them, and then they offer you their home. And that's how you get through this world. And she's like, yeah would you like anything to drink? We've got a full fridge. And she's like hosting. <laughs> but I remember leaving thinking like, that is a whole different set of rules she's living by than I have. Like I would, it would never occur to me that that was possible, but obviously it occurs to her that that's possible. And so she's living that way. But I just remember thinking it was so fascinating. And I'm like, so where were you last? She was like, well, I was in Morocco for a little while. And then I just thought, there are so many different ways I could be living my life that I just never even occurs to me because my brain says, you can't do that, you know? And she was like such an extreme. I'm like, you can't do that. And I'm like, but she is, she is doing it. And she's right in front of me and I'm listening to her. Like, this is happening. That's good. All right. I think we're okay, at time. Okay, I think we're well, thank you all for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Now come to our day on the 20th. Mm. It's free. Or you can donate a million dollars, as we said. Or 10. Or 10, yeah. <laughs> ten. I'm thinking so ten. small. I'm thinking so small, Anna. I thought you meant $10. You meant 10 million. Not $10 million. Yeah, yeah, ten you, that's where your mind went. Yeah. No, but we've really, we've really enjoyed these and, and in the spirit of everything we've been talking about this, um, oh, add the link for people. Okay. Um, these, the, the, starting the collective um, between our three organizations and then having these webinars and then having this event is really just an experiment for us as well. We're really interested in kind of playing together, exploring together and seeing what becomes possible in the world if we if we collaborate like one of the main reasons we did this is we felt like um we can do more together than we can independently and we love the idea of sharing our minds and sharing our um our different stories and our our different work and seeing if that can help the world in a different way than we're currently doing as separate organizations so in the spirit of everything we're talking about here we've just decided to try something because it was an idea that occurred to us that we thought, hey, let's put that into the world and see what happens. And so we appreciate you guys joining us and being a part of that as well. And I hope that you're doing the same in your own way. Yeah. And we'd love to hear about it too. Yes. So um, please share, share more. 
And um, hopefully we'll see you March 20th. on March 20th at the day event. And you can communicate with us there too. So live streamers will have opportunity to chat like this. It'll be exactly like this, just an event. Right. A day. A and day. there will be more people in the room. Yeah. <laughs> All, All right. right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everyone. We love you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. <laughs>